Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Eglap. Of course, it's me, Paolo, your host. And today's episode is really going to be, you know, a great episode because this guest, she has never uh, been on the podcast, but I've actually wanted to invite her back then. But, you know, things happen and now, you know, I'm able to have her, you know, in this episode and it's going to be a great episode. So our guest for today, I'll, I'll tell you a bit about her. So... She has an, an impressive academic portfolio. Uh, she obtained her master's degree in human rights from the University of London in the United Kingdom. She finished her BA degree in international relations from Webster University in Geneva in Switzerland, as well as certificate in international human rights. She pres presently is involved as a pol policy specialist at the Human Rights Policy Advisory Office of the Commission on Human Rights, or CHR, she is multilingual and is fluent in English, Filipino, Cebuano. I didn't know about the Cebuano nor the French. Uh, she is a certified K-pop fan, <laughs> which motivated her to take a Korean language course, which I didn't expect. Like, that's probably the last thing I expected, uh, a language course as well. So welcome to the podcast for the very first time, uh, Janelle Inahales. Hey, Janelle, how's everything with you? Hi. Hi, everyone. It's pretty embarrassing about the K-pop. Because uh, I actually asked my friend to write that for me. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh my god, this is actually, this makes me sound like I'm really this, I'm this like really refined person, which I'm really not. So I didn't like I finish mean, reading it. And then when people kept, when people started asking me about the K-pop and the Korean language, that's when I, that's the only time I found out and it was too late. So, <laughs> so I'm so curious, what like what band or what show or what film did you consume that made you want to learn Korean? Oh, BTS. <laughs> oh, so that's yeah. pretty recent. Yeah. You, you did it pretty. Re you did it pretty recently, then. Um, right? Yeah. Oh, I how many years of BTS? Aren't they like twenty yeah, fifteen? No, I started like twenty twenty. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, started, I mean, like very recently, and haven't looked. So I'm curious, like, on a scale of one to ten, like how fluent are you in Korean? Oh god. Like 0 0.5, man. <laughs> so you took up a language class to get half of I took a language class, but then uh it was um the class was with um people who were very like um who were avid um they call this uh K drama like fans. So yeah. they, they, it was easier for them to like, uh, you know, uh, understand the teacher, and they were the majority. And I was, like, I, mean, I had no idea. I've never seen at that time a K drama, so I struggled a lot. I plan to enroll again to redeem myself. Okay. <laughs> You're French. You you learned it because you studied abroad, right? Um. Yes, I had to because people in Geneva did really want to speak english even though they could so i was basically forced but just you know i mean I, i'm not complaining i'm thankful that uh, i was in a i was in an environment where i had really no choice to learn it because it's the best way to learn a language so on a scale of one to ten i assume it's higher than a point five <laughs> um i used to be more fluent but um since i i left Europe in like 2019 to work for the commission. I haven't really been in a 
I haven't really talked to, yeah, I haven't been able to practice it. So I think I'm like a, I wouldn't, I think I need more practice to be like at least an eight. Okay. Right now, uh, a seven point three. <laughs> You're what a seven point what three, <laughs> and what's with the why not seven point five? Why what is the reason for the three? I um, it's like it's like passing, but not not quite there yet. It's like pasang awa, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, uh, I'll try to figure that out. Okay, so before we start, I, I just want to thank our sponsors because I tend to forget to thank them. So, thank you to. Uh, Swagat Indian Cuisine, who's been a sponsor ever since, uh, to Derm Nature and to Mask and More Manila. All right, so Janelle, uh, I think it's really cool. You're, you know, you asked your friend to write your intro. I like how honest you were. But um, why don't you tell us more about yourself then? Like fun stuff about Janelle. Oh, okay. Um, well, I love cats. My yeah. cats are my life, really. And um, I'm actually very shy in person. The only reason why I'm like talking more than I usually would is because, like, because of liquid courage. Like, um, in a in normal setting where I have to like talk to to people face to face, I would literally clam up, and I would forget everything, and it was just it would just be really embarrassing for me. So I try to stay behind the um, behind the scenes because that's where I feel like I would be most I would be more effective. Uh, when I was with um, when I was with um, the late Chirchito Gascon, um, I used to write speeches for him. But um, if I were to give the speech myself, I wouldn't be able to do it. So I'm really very shy, and. Um, I'm very. I have ADHD. I have my 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 thoughts are very like fast. So sometimes I never knew that. Yeah, I have ADHD and and bipolar. So it's really it's it's a balancing act. So I'm more. I'm like. I'm actually like a a Manet painting, which which sounds so pretentious, <laughs> but like a Manet painting in terms of like. From afar, it looks really nice. But from but like when you look up close, it's like it's a mess. Which I think that's how people like um, that's how people would say or how people would talk about me. They would have this um, impression about me that I'm really this um, refined and um, elegant person, which I'm really not. Once you get to know. Me. Okay, well, I don't blame them. I mean, with your Bridgerton, Bridgerton type outfit, I, I would assume. So. <laughs> 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 All right. So, okay. So the first thing I want to ask you, and actually the comment section blew up. So I think should I ask? Actually, I'm not gonna read their comment section because. <laughs> I mean, it, it would be fun uh, since the episode's a bit heavy. But why don't we start here then? Okay. So from Alduin Talents. Pashaltat naman po Korean Janelle in the Halis. Thank you. Then from Marie Marie, that's a really cool name. Okay. Um, you go girl. Um, Emrin Emerin de la Cruz said solid Janelle in the Halis fan from Montalban chapter. Then Marie said, Marie times two said, Pashaltat naman po Hello Kitty Club in the motto. Ana Cerezo, okay, so you say represent. Um, fan from the Canal chapter. 
<laughs> um, guapa. Wow, what language is that? Guapa. Uh, it's, um, it's Ilongo. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there you go. Um, then for the fluent in Cebuan, ano po meaning ng yawa? I have no idea what that means. That, uh, what does yeah, yawa mean? Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm so sorry. Um, then Marie times two, go Canel. Oh, you have a lot of nicknames. Huh? Then lovely says shout out. Uh, Emerin says Lodi. Rachel does emojis. Jess with more emojis. Oh, and that's Albert why that's says, my friend who's, a, who's actually my mentor. He's the one who wrote the write-up for me. Thank you, Sir oh, Jess. Cool. Alright. <laughs> then uh, Aldon Talon says kakain lang rin namin sa Indian cuisine kasama si Janelle. Uh, then Yalsi's from Diliman Kalat chapter. Uh, Aryan Abaya. Gosh, did I even? Ar, Ar, yeah, I hope I got your name right. Uh, heart emojis. Uh, then Sam, uh, heart emojis. Aryan Gumamjan. Wow, this. Okay, we'll continue the rest later because if I think if we continue with the. Okay, fine. Let's just do it, Nana. Um, so let's just go to the others. So beautiful sis, uh, Canel in short, Idol Yan, uh, Marisa, she loves you. Anna says, me also, me also. Then shout out. Then kindly announce the Hello Kitty. It's fun. And Anna says, you're pretty. Okay, so since we got that out of the way, and I'm sure more and more will come later. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask you is, why did you decide to take up international relations or IR? I mean, that's a very challenging... I mean, as a subject in itself, it was very challenging. I struggled with that subject. But um, but why did you take it as a course? That's like a whole different level. Um, actually, um, why did I take IR as a course? I don't know. I just really wanted. Uh, I just, I was just really interested in politics because in politics people argue, and I yeah. like I like it when people fight. I like to make it worse. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I really like it that when in politics you could exchange um, opinions. And there's a, it's like a, a space where you could convince people really to change their, their like um, position, their beliefs in life. Really, you could change them by way of rhetoric or by way of like um, showing, showing what you've done, showing how people um, have, showing how their way of thinking is is flawed in a way but um i actually after after high school which you know i think we were classmates in like grade back school in, no, no no first year i believe also i remember you being classmates in grade school you were classmates in grade school dude you were <laughs> no you were classmates i think in first year anyway were you one, no no were you one j yeah Actually, I don't remember much about high school. Yeah, not but yeah, we were I, mean, I remember. I remember being a really weird kid back in the day. I was a really weird kid. No, but aside from that, okay, let, let's not argue about whether we were classmates in grade school and high school. But yeah, sorry, please go ahead. Um, after high school, I I was I actually went to Lasalle, and um, when I was in Lasalle, I stayed there for around two two months. Yeah, two months. And then out of boredom, which is something that uh, I tend to do, uh, I just really applied out of out of boredom and in a university in Switzerland because 
uh, Geneva is you know, the center of um, international relations. Yeah. And I wasn't even interested in, um, in human rights at this point. I just really wanted to work for the UN because I really That's like, right. I really like the, uh, the, the pomposity, so to speak, yeah. of the, of the whole, um, the whole, uh, I work for the UN, uh, yeah. Thing, yeah. Right. So, 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 so I would want, I wanted to work for the UN also. Um, so I applied, I didn't tell anyone, not even my friends, not my parents. And I only told them when I got in, which I didn't think that I was going to get in. And after that, I was, and then after that, they were, they were very supportive, which I'm very grateful. And I'm very lucky to have such great parents. So I went to Geneva. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to, you know, um, study international relations and uh, political science. But when I went there, I I didn't know anything about human rights because, I mean, you would agree with me when I say that growing up, we weren't really we weren't really exposed to what human rights were, and like uh, in a in a classroom setting, no one really talked about talked about human rights to us. Would you agree? Well, I agree on that aspect. But me growing up, uh, I read a lot of history. Uh, yeah, I watched yeah. a lot of documentaries and books. So, uh, I mean, I knew about the killing fields and all of those yeah. things. But I agree, though, that there's a lack of teaching of human rights in the grade school, high school level in the Philippines. That's true. Um, yeah, because uh, I noticed that uh, the difference between uh, my classes there and my my classes here, which I mean, I my classes were great in La Salle. It's um, I wasn't really, I wasn't. I think uh, growing up, it was martial law and the issue of human rights was presented to me in a way that's very like um, black and white. Yeah. Something that doesn't necessarily have to doesn't necessarily concern me. Because I wasn't really, I'm not, I'm not a Marcos, I'm not an Aquino, I'm not like a, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an elite. Uh, so it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't uh, concern me. But uh, when I went there, when I went to Europe, I learned about Bosnia, the, the Bosnian genocide. And I, that's how I got into human rights and I, I don't know, everything started from there. I started to learn about how people sent, I mean, uh, decades, even decades after losing their loved ones, they still had to go to court. They still had to show up in, um, in forensic laboratories to identify their lost loved ones, which I think is very, very sad. Uh, and forces appearance is, they say is actually one of the, most difficult things that a person could go, could go through in life because it doesn't give you closure. You don't know where the person is. You don't have um you don't have a body to like uh, mourn to bury. So that's how I got into human rights. And growing up, I was very I was a very emotional I was a very emotional kid. So human rights um allowed me to channel that uh all that passion and all that uh, energy. Into something more productive, 
uh, because working in the field of human rights is not it's not an emotional it's not an unemotional job it really takes a toll on you and for someone like me someone who has very um, who feels very strongly about things it's uh it it doesn't it helps me in a way to uh the goddess to level myself actually I, I find it very interesting that we both had somewhat similar patterns or sorry not patterns paths in life because i actually took up political science one of the main reasons was because of i mean yours was the bosnia one the bosnia massacre which was completely horrible by the way but mine was more related to of course the 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 what do you call it in world war ii about hitler and the jews that's one and second was the killing fields because i wanted to understand how people could make such decisions right that's like you know you go to the vietnam war they bombed the place they bombed cambodia or Kampuchea in secret why what did they get out of it and all these things so i wanted to ask you like you know i guess for our viewers who may not be so familiar with these events uh maybe you could explain what happened in the bosnia one i mean like a very quick thing. yeah oh, okay um in bosnia uh, okay this i think i can add in the human rights uh 101 here yeah yeah in, in times of like a conflict in times of resolution um it's a it's a great time for the protection and um the promotion of human rights to it's a great time for uh for it to be more appreciated because i uh, like what my like what chair chico would tell me before he passed away and not he would tell me for years that human rights um he would say he would tell me that human rights are not given they are struggled for and um human rights actually came into came into um you call this an international uh, level appreciation because of the suffering caused by the war, the Holocaust, and um, the atrocities of the world, uh, atrocities that happened in World War II, and it from that it made state, it made countries, made people realize that okay, so the the how people view other people is a prerequisite for peace. I mean, it's um, it came from the realization that people. I mean, I can't just say that you, Paolo, are less worthy than. I mean, you are, are you are you're less worthy than I am. I can't just do something to you because I want to. It 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 came from that realization that. You know we're the same you can't do you can't do such terrible things to other people i mean who are you to do that who i mean what 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 gives you the power what gives you the um, authority to do that to someone so from that realization came human rights uh human rights is basically you know um it's inherent it's universal it, it in a nutshell it means i have human rights because i'm a i'm a i'm human doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter if i'm a criminal it doesn't 
matter if I'm a if I'm a drug addict. Really doesn't really matter what you do in life. As long as you're a person, you're entitled to certain your it's I mean you're entitled to certain things to certain um certain treatment, certain expectations. Because it's just who you are. If you can't no one can take it away from you. And um all this and sorry i lost my train of thought and doesn't really i mean it's i don't know actually how to explain it in a very articulate way but it's basically like you and me Paolo. i can't who am i to bully who am i i mean back in high school i thought that i bullied you i didn't bully. i didn't bully anyone <laughs> You're okay to, to for everyone. Janelle's always a nice kid. I'm very nice. It yeah. just don't look nice. Anyway, um, uh, who am I to, you know, bully bully someone? Who am I to tell you that you're, you're, you know, you're a lesser person? It came from that realization because who, I mean, what made Hitler? What made the Nazis say that the, the Jews were, you know, were vermin? Basically, it's it's that um, it's that realization that what if it happened to you? What if you were you were the less fortunate one in that situation? I think um, that really changed the way people looked at um, each other. Because for now, I could be on top but like to who knows the tomorrow the you know uh the power but the power dynamics would be different so and after after that realization came the un and the un was basically formed to save succeeding generations from the scourge of war which you know i mean i'm sure everyone is one could argue if they're doing a good job. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, theoretically, I, I, it's not. It's different in um, in real life, which you know. Actually, uh, when I was at the UN, I was actually very. I was actually a bit disappointed. Um, I was a bit disappointed because I felt very detached. Because it's different when you're working in an office. It's easier to detach yourself from uh, the, the realities of torture, the realities of, um, I don't know, um, uh, being killed for no reason, the realities of uh, being raped by um, someone that, you, that should be protecting you. Um, it's easier to detach yourself if you're in an office, if you're in a really nice office in Switzerland, and if you're in, like, uh, and if it's Friday and then the next day you're going to on a, ski, on a ski trip, it's easier to do that than when you're actually out in the field, which I think is part of why you know, there's this, I mean, the same with your belief, I believe. 
with your with your um, view that the UN is not actually as as altruistic as um, no, uh, I mean I'm glad the UN is there. It's just more of oh, looks, yeah. it's more of it's beautiful on the outside, but you'll get really disappointed on the inside. It's like meeting your hero, right? In life. Well, you shouldn't meet your hero. Uh, but um, there's a there's this UN guy. His name is Dag. I've never really learned how to pronounce his last name. Dag Ham. Dag, Dag H. You guys can just. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, like a million good. other Dag H's out there, but let's hope this is the right yeah, one. Dag Hammers something. Okay. Uh, he said that the UN was not meant to save humanity. I, the, the, the UN was not meant, was, was not created to bring humanity to heaven, to, I know, you know, I mean, to this really nice place, to this uh, ideal place where everything is beautiful, everything is peaceful. But the, he said that the UN was created to save humanity from hell. And I think once I, once I re- realized I mean, once I really thought about what he said, it really made sense because the UN is not, I mean, the UN, like a lot of institutions, it's not a perfect institution, but it does try its best. There are a lot of things that it could work on, but it was founded on this really, uh, this really noble idea. It's just that it's like human rights. It's difficult to... You know, um, it's difficult to turn into reality. Human yeah, rights are I mean, something to fight for. Yeah, I mean, like the to give credit to the UN, I think they do what they can do. Yeah. You know I mean, I mean, it was made so that the world doesn't go to hell or yes. to go back to war. That was the whole point, and that's why the EU was made as well, right? So that Europe doesn't end up in war, uh, but. I, I have no idea um, what's happening to the EU right now, but I don't know why that's happening. But okay, so you know, I sense that you know you're very passionate about human rights in this, but in the human uh, experience. And what I mean by that is, you care that people should have their rights and that people are equal. You're not really a fan of the you know, the, the political side where people make deals and all of these things. For you, it's more of, you know, people are people and everyone is equal, basically, right? So I'm just wondering, like, you know, right now, I, I actually wanted to get to this later on, but I kind of want to talk about it right now. So uh, you mentioned Bosnia. Then now, currently, I think the next one that we should talk about is what's happening in you know the ukraine you know I, I don't want to go home yet that's for the latter part but let's talk about the ukraine um the invasion of the ukraine so you know for those who may not know or may not understand it's basically you know russia invading the ukraine because they want to annex it and make it a part of russia again you know the good old ussr so let's talk about that so you know you're not really i don't know if you're involved in any way regarding that but from what you know and the information that you have, how bad is it right now in the Ukraine in terms of like human rights violations? 
Um, actually, um, the different thing is uh, since it's basically war, it's a there's a war in um, Ukraine. He, international humanitarian law comes in. Yeah. Because human rights is it's there forever. It doesn't have to be war. It doesn't have you don't have to. It's just normal times. Human rights are there, whatever, whenever, in perpetuity. But um, international humanitarian law, the laws of armed conflict, um, it only comes in. It's only it's only activated when there is armed conflict, obviously. So right now, um, I'm not like, I'm not too I'm not as familiar with the specifics of you know I mean what's happening on a day to day basis in Ukraine, but. It, it bothers me that, I mean, the UN was founded on this belief, I mean, this, um, this common um, sentiment that an attack on all is an attack, attack on one is an attack on all. So it, I think um, it's, remember, uh, I think, uh, what do you call this? Sorry. I think that when Ukraine asked for assistance um, from other countries, like from the U.S., from I don't know, uh, the U.K., asked for like, weapons. Yeah, I think that it's actually very smart that the that the U.S. and the U.K. and other you know um, NATO members they didn't they saw the value and not and not and not call this and not meeting no. might with might. Yeah. They attacked they basically crippled the they basically, they basically crippled Putin's uh Putin's oligarchs by sequestering and um freezing the assets of his oligarchs so that they themselves could put the pressure on Putin because they they understand that they don't really have any influence over Putin. So I think that it's a very good um it's a very effective, not necessarily good, I'm not sure. I'm not really a, a position to give any but it's a very effective way of putting pressure, which putting pressure on Putin without causing more damage causing more um, violence out there. So at the end of the day, it's really vested interest, which is just the reality. So it's a war. It's basically it's really a war. It's really a game of powerful people and the people, um, normal people like us, just really at the mercy of, you know, big players. So I want to ask you your opinion because I have my own opinion, but I want to hear from you first. Why do you think Putin invaded the Ukraine? Because he could. That simple for you? Like that's the main reason why? Yeah, uh, well, yes. Yes and no. Well, yes, because he wouldn't invade. He wouldn't invade, you know, Ukraine if he... He was able to annex... Um, was, Crimea. 
Crimea a few years ago. So yeah. I think it emboldened him to do the same. He just didn't really expect that Ukraine would fight back this time. And um, he, because he could really, I mean, he he's very, very, I wouldn't say that. He is a very arrogant, and I think he's at this point where he's trying to prove himself. He's, I think, he's at the like, um, is at the end of his term or something. I mean, is that um, so I won't get banned from Russia, unlike you, since you said something about him. I I wouldn't, um, I don't think his term is ending just because he could always run for president. Yes, because he could, I mean, before he was prime minister and his president, but uh, I think. I'm surprised at my very neutral answer, by the way, but yeah. I'm surprised too, actually. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to, to, to go to You're Moscow. You're more diplomatic than I am, <laughs> which is why I could never be a diplomat. But uh, I think, yeah. If you if you feel you're you know if you feel you're powerful enough to take something that isn't necessarily yours, why wouldn't you? And it's perhaps it's to provoke other countries into into more chaos. I think oh because I've been monitoring the situation and it's been months since. Um, People were saying that uh, this this was inevitable. Yeah. And it was this last year, right? I think yeah. sometime last year. Yeah. It was disappointing that nothing, nothing was really done. And the fact that nothing was done made it you no know, was inset was reason enough for Putin to invade. But what do you think they could have done back in the day? Because of course, we all know the intelligence said he's preparing to invade. But of course, the uh, international community or, you know, just normal folks who aren't in our position, right, who study these things and who analyze the data and everything, um, they didn't expect that, right? But what do you think other countries could have done? Because, you know, I felt, you know, maybe if, let's say, the U.S., you know, went to the Ukraine, you know, I mean, you know, before the invasion happened or the U.K., wouldn't that escalate things further? Uh, the U.S. would never go to the Ukraine unless, I suppose, it's Trump, which, thank God, he's not. I, I mean, uh, I'm not sure. I can't really say, I can't speak for um, the states. But I think Putin took advantage of, you know, the situation, the whole pandemic, the whole economic recession, what about it's just I think we were all grappling with such unprecedented, um, with such an unprecedented situation that it was, it was time for him. It was a really good time for him to take, to take um, idealistic and naive uh, people, I'm naive, naive uh, leaders. I mean, they would, it was a good time to surprise them because what else would make Putin more, um, 
more they call this infamous more fame i mean more infamous okay more infamous than doing something unexpected and i think that's where that's um that's how populist leaders like the Duterte, like um trump i think that's where they thrive they take on this they 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 peddle this narrative that is out of the ordinary so um before we continue uh your two close friends are arguing about something so what are they arguing now they're asking you to spell sequester uh, sequestering so so that's from anna then from aldwin same thing uh then anna of course just jumbled letters together and aldwin is already saying that you're making caleb already now. oh my god okay so you know yeah i think that's very fair what you said about you know everything about the ukraine and stuff but i guess the question is how do you make people care about those kinds of situations because you know right now it's election season in the philippines right and there's some candidates who said you know we shouldn't meddle in other countries businesses things like that other candidates said you know we just simply have to you know uh unite behind ukraine and condemn what's happening uh so the question is why is it important to care and how do you make people care about these things because it could happen to you do you really want to wait until it happens to you i mean right now i could right now it seems the idea seems ridiculous that you would be it could be taken from your home for no reason but if you allow more and more people it's like if you allow more and more people to be treated that way what makes you think you're not fixed? I mean, that just seems ludicrous to me that you wouldn't think that it wouldn't happen to you. I mean, do you really want to wait until it happens to you for you to care? I mean, that's just, I mean, maybe it's simplistic, but that's how I've always, that's how I've always seen it. Um, I think that just because right now we enjoy a certain, you know, certain way of life, mm -hmm. certain yeah. privileges, doesn't mean that it could that it could go away, that it could be taken away in an instant. So Anna has a, actually a good question for you. So to be fair, it's a really good question. So. Oh, sorry, give me one. Uh, oops, there you go. Okay, so based uh, on history that you know, is it possible that we will be involved? Uh, I'm I'm guessing it's uh it's in terms of um you know the war, if it escalates yeah. into like a global yeah like a World War Three wait knock on wood. Um, <laughs> it, I I can't say, but. It's always possible, but um, it's not probable. Not probable. Yes, exactly. I think the I think um, the, our leaders. I mean, all of us now are more concerned with 
it's really bad to say are more concerned with material you know like uh, economic uh i think people are more concerned with how good their life is than than um national patriotism than 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 beliefs such as the democracy and socialism i think that's a difference between now and then i think back then people were more into subscribing uh subscribing to such ideologies such doctrines i think now people are more concerned with prosperity which is i'm not sure if it's a good thing but i think that's the reality i mean i mean what do you think i could be wrong well i do agree that uh, it's not probable of course the possibilities over there even if it's at a 0.5 percent uh or 7.3 percent uh you know it's always there it's always there right but I mean, you see it as it's more about the money. That That's what people care about nowadays. That's somewhat true. But I think that one of the reasons why it may not happen is because of globalization, right? We're all intertwined now. You know, social media is here. I mean, back in the day, right? 50s, 60s, 70s, etc. You get your news from newspapers. And newspapers back in the day get their news from letters from abroad or from radio. I mean, it takes a while right mm -hmm. but now you know if something happens in let's say lebanon five minutes later it's on facebook i know what happened in lebanon you know something like that so i think yeah. it's more on something like that i mean yes the capitalist way is there where we care about making money without caring about you know our neighbors if we care about more that our plate is overflowing without checking the plate of our neighbors even if it has a speck of rice right yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we do have. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Jenna. No, please go. Oh, ahead. Um, I was, I just, I was just thinking that uh, I think people don't necessarily. I mean, are they aren't predisposed to supporting war, because in the past, what has war? I mean, how has war benefited them? It has only benefited, you know, um, very a very small number of people. Yeah, it's really the masses who who suffer. The most, I mean, yeah. for example, um, in Mar in in the Marcus dictatorship, we're still paying for um, the debt that he has that he has incurred. So, I think that's also a reason why people are less likely to to support or to engage in the whole Marcos Aquino narrative which is not which is not actually accurate because they think that it's just really them who will win in the end it's just it's us oh, okay yeah Sorry. So, no, I, I, I agree on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just have to say for those who believe that that's not true about 
us not being in the golden age, I hope they don't check their history. So we do have um, really good questions now. Uh, so from Anna again, so who safeguards the human rights during the war? Government. It's the government. The government is the primary duty bearer. Okay, so with human rights, there's a duty bearer, which is yeah. really the state. And there's a rights holder, which is us, you know, we normal people. For example, um, if there's a war, I, if you kill me, even though I'm not participating in, in the whole, you know, war effort, that is a war crime. And it is the, it is the responsibility, the responsibility of states to go after you because it was established that you can't do that anymore. You can't just kill anyone. You can't, you know, I mean, you can't just be, you can't just say that someone was caught in like a uh, crossfire. You have to be, yeah, you have to be more careful. You have to be more considerate. You have to be more strategic. You can't just do whatever you want because doing whatever you want, it's, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 I was, yeah, anyway. So I guess the, how about we add to the question? So let's say the government of that particular country isn't upholding human rights. So who safeguards it then? Um, the international community. Because um, when the UN is founded, um, it was, it's in the charter. I, I mean, I cannot, I, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what it says, but um, the UN Charter says that it reaffirms the the fundamental rights and the human dignity of the human the human person, and establish like conditions in which justice and um, order. I know it sounds so flouty right now. It sounds so. Um, so, so uh, whatever, but okay. um, <laughs> I'm not Don't sure worry. how to I, I can keep up with you. Don't worry, I can keep up with you. <laughs> I'm not sure how to. Uh, my my brain is not working anymore. It took too many. Took too many. Um, uh, what was I saying? So you're talking about um, who upholds human rights? Oh, okay. So community. I, so it goes back to to why human rights was given such importance in the first place. Um, it you can't just I mean, I don't know how else to explain this in a more articulate, more like in a more effective way. But you can't just do what you want. You have to do it in a way, you have to do you have to act in such a way that is considerate of others you have to act in such a way that you're not um impeding on the freedoms the fundamental freedoms of other people i mean i can't just kill you because i wanted to i can't just kill you and say that you're just walking it's i'm sorry i lost my train of thought no worries, but I think you, 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 you made the point already, so that, that's fine. Don't worry. So the next one is from actually Marie Squared. 
has a comment, which is, I think we're experiencing it a bit right now because of the surge in gas prices, the Ukraine situation. And well, Anna's really giving you really good questions right now. So also, what struggles do refugees usually deal with? Um, well, there's uh, with, uh, with refugees, there's this um, principle of non refoulement It means you can't be returned. If you're a refugee, if you're seeking, if you're seeking like, refugee status in a country, you have to prove that your face, if you were return, if you were forced to return to your country, you would be, you'd be in great danger. And sometimes it's difficult to prove that. And sometimes, and a lot of the, and there numerous times where refugees were denied refugee status in, you know, in, in European countries, because that's where they usually go. And they were, they were perceived to be just people from third world countries uh, seeking better, seeking a better life in uh in a in a in a european country when really the reality is they are facing grave danger but because it's difficult to prove that they have to produce documentation they have to which is difficult for for example if you're living in in south sudan it's difficult to produce uh, documentation. If you had to leave your home in the middle of the night, how would you produce documentation to to show authorities, European authorities, that your life is in danger? Another another issue that they that they are faced with is crossing, is actually leaving the country and getting to. It doesn't really matter for them where they're going as long as it's far away and sometimes they have to they don't have the means if you were asked if you were forced to leave it abruptly would you have money would you have clothes would you have you know what you need to make such a long travel so, such a long trip and and such a dangerous trip so I think it they are they're faced with um, multiple burdens, multiple uh, challenges. It's they are more they are more prone to being exploited because if you're at a if you're at a place of desperation where you don't really have the means to you know provide for yourself. What makes, I mean, you are more vulnerable to say, to agree to such, to request to, to, you know, to ridiculous and ridiculous and cruel request to, yeah, sorry. I, I'm, go, I'm, I'm digressing. No, it, it, it's fine. Uh, it actually reminds me of that time. Remember in Europe, there was that, uh, refugee crisis i think these were oh, yeah. 
um, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think these were Africans trying to escape war, right? I Syrians. Forgot which, Syrians, my bad, sorry. So Syrians who were trying to escape war. And I remember there were these videos of people in boats rowing from Syria to Spain or whatever country. And the one uh, photo that I will never forget for the rest of my life was um, because a lot of these boats aren't safe, right? They're makeshift. Uh, they're not meant to go that many thousands of miles. Then I guess one boat sank. And when workers were by the beach, they saw a body of a kid. Mm -hmm. I think you know what I'm talking about. Yes, right? yes, yes. I and was actually... That, that, that for me was really terrible. Like that's when you realize the importance of you know each country doing you know um upholding the importance of human rights no matter who you are right yes. that even though there's conflict and stuff you have to find a way to make peace and to make sure that people don't have to go through that actually that's very true that's very true Paul. um with um with refugees I've met a lot of actually, I've met, I've actually have friends who are actually refugees or asylum seekers, and they always tell me about how difficult it was to start all over again. Because, for example, I have this friend. Um, she's a refugee. I mean, she's a an asylum seeker. I think. I think from. Um, Morocco or something. I'm not sure. Somewhere there. Not Morocco. Yeah, I'll take uh, Morocco. Yeah, so somewhere. somewhere <laughs> there. I, forgot. I, I was like, I don't think Morocco's been in conflict for like two, three hundred years. Um, they were. Um, oh no, no. Okay, my friend. Okay. Okay, I remember now. My friend. Um, her grandfather was the royal minter to the Shah of Iran. Wow. And then when the Shah of Iran was, you know, when conflict yeah. um, arrived in Iran, they had to leave. And she was, uh, I mean, she and um, her family were accustomed to a certain kind of life. And well, it was really the difficult. Of Iran, yeah. You definitely really have that, yeah. It was really difficult for them to start all over again in a, in a place where they didn't know anyone, where their um, credentials, where their status, their credentials didn't matter anymore. I mean, for example, um, sometimes your, your diploma is not necessarily recognized. You know, it's, it's that it's those um, um, factors that is not necessarily discussed but even if you're even if you're if you're so established in your home country can you imagine leaving everything with nothing but you know the clothes on your back and being told to leave your home or else you will be killed can you imagine how difficult or how how traumatizing that would be and people would just tell you that you're just a, a Middle Eastern, you're a Filipino, you're a, an African seeking a better life. 
in a first world country. It's it's that um, it's that prejudice that's it's there, but no one really talks about it because it's not it's not a saucy or it's not a easy topic to talk about. Yeah. It took them years, actually, to. Took, it took uh, her family years to establish themselves, and it's still very, very far from their original life back in Iran. So, what what country did she move to? Uh, she saw her, right? Yeah. Your, your friends are. Um, yeah. What country did they move to? Uh, the UK. Oh, okay. So this was what year? Probably David Cameron. No, no. I mean, I was in the UK 2017. Ah, so probably no. That's probably. I mean, David no, no, I mean, her family. Her family was the one who. Oh, who okay. Child debacle. Yeah. Not necessarily her, but she grew up with those stories, and she would tell me, and I met her mom. I mean, they're still very, you know, wealthy. It's just still very far from what she was, what her family, yeah. I mean, that's uh, one of the less, that's one of the more fortunate stories, but I'm sure there are a lot of uh, more depressing stories. Actually, there is this time, um, I was following the French presidential elections. This was 20... 17 i think give or take was it yeah something like that and one of the candidates was is marine le pen i'm not sure if you're familiar with her but yeah he is the candidate of the national front which is the national rally now then there was this interview i was watching of her where because she's quite i wouldn't say she's anti-refugees or anti-immigrant but she's one of those who really wants them to be you know to work for it you know you know those kinds of people and uh sorry i'm really just saying it in a very nice way but uh, so in the interview she was saying that you know um refugees or immigrants could be rapists they could um be thieves they could steal your wallpaper and actually that was the part in the interview i found so weird why would someone steal your wallpaper like that's the one thing in that whole thing i was like wait what but i want to ask you back in europe uh, because Switzerland has always been known as the, like, they, they're known as the most neutral country in the world. They don't really join anything. I don't think they've ever joined the war. I, I don't even think they have a military to th- thinking they about do. it. Oh, they do. Okay. But it's probably, for whatever reason. yeah, for whatever reason, yeah. they have a military. That I think in World War II, if you're German or if you were American, you can be, you can be in Switzerland, no problem, right? So, um, yeah, where was I going with this one? Ah, shoot. Now I lost my train of thought. Uh, Oh, yeah. Sorry, here. So, back in Europe, minus Switzerland, because I assume you traveled around Europe, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What was the feeling towards immigrants or towards even just foreigners in general who weren't European or who weren't even American? Uh, well, in actually in Switzerland, I, I when I was when I was doing my undergraduate there, 
that was the time of the whole uh, refugee crisis. And I remember that people would not not actually not just like Swiss people, but even Filipinos. Filipinos who are not even from Switzerland would would like tell me to be cautious of oh this person is this certain nationality. They're they're very they're more I mean they're known for being pickpocketers, you know, stuff like that. It's very xenophobic. So, why are we laughing? It's very xenophobic. No, it's one of those, you know, those old things that, oh, just because this person is this race, he's a thief. Yes, it's very bad. And when I was told that, I thought, what what are they saying about Filipinos? because if they could, if I always, I'm always like that. If you say something about a certain person, I would always put myself in their position and ask myself, how would I feel if you know you, you said that to me? I guess I'm just lucky that we're friends. Just lucky that you know you're not saying this about me right now. And uh, people are people are afraid of something that it, people are afraid of something they haven't encountered. Uh, when I went to Bern, which is the capital of Switzerland, which is not as urban. Bern, 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 Bern. Yeah. 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 I think most people think Geneva is the capital of Switzerland. Oh, no, no, no. Or Zurich. Uh, or Zurich. Yeah, actually, or Zurich. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I was with a friend. And that was the first time that um, my my friend who lived in Geneva, who grew up in Geneva, she's Filipino, but that was the first time she encountered someone telling her ching chong ching, some stupid ass. Sorry, can I curse here? Yeah, you can. Trust me, if you. <laughs> no, you can. You can. In the in the past episodes, uh, yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, Walden Bell Bellio. Yeah, I really enjoy yeah. that one. I was stressed the whole time. <laughs> he I seems a character. I mean, I have to be neutral, right? When it, when it comes yeah, to yeah, yeah. You could be a good diplomat. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's strange, though. That's your friend. Because the thing is, okay, um, I just want to warn everyone I'm not Chinese. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not Chinese. Aside from that, I'm also not racist. So. For, your friend does she look chinese is that why the person did that she's Filipino, actually so she does not look chinese at all she has like small you know chinky eyes oh so she saw she she's a bit uh she's a I bit uh, she's chinese no but uh, could she... you be mistaken for one because it just doesn't make sense to me to have that to make that kind of insult Oh, I think um, people just have it. People just lump all of us Asians together. But like, for me, to a smart insult would be if you think about it. Oh, um, I like how I'm analyzing it also, right? Like, a smart racist would be like, you're oh, you're from the land of the nurses and the maids. Oh, I've had this classmate actually. Okay. She came up to me one time. She's like. 
oh you uh oh um you're filipino you know blah blah my thinking yes I, I we all know each other yeah and i'm like oh really yeah i know her i'll go to church with her and she, she couldn't say anything it's, i think it's it's the fact that they expect you to not know how to react and sometimes you just really have to ignore it because sometimes it's i mean most of the time really people are just saying it mindlessly yeah i mean i never really been a racist slur towards me but it's just that you know for me if you're going to be racist could you at least be smart about it yeah i know like can you just entertain me (laughs) at least entertain me don't insult me because then you know wouldn't be that bad yeah but i mean it's like if you're going to insult someone at least make it smart yeah right but anyway it's not that when you insult someone and it's stupid it's like double yeah like you look like an idiot right yeah it's like yeah, you so... were an idiot that you think i would be insulted by that exactly like do a better job you know yeah. uh, i guess that's why all the years of me watching south park as a kid has paid off so marie squared has a question for you and i think it's probably the best question you're gonna get tonight oh good i like how you're nervous are, are you because ready for the question? And see, these are actually my CHR friends. We all work with the office of the chair. And I think like, um, would be very... Like, this is the type of question you'd probably get from, let's say, the UN or something. Oh, God. So, so are you ready for it? Go on. So I also have a question, though. What's your secret for some magandang hair? <laughs> conviction <laughs> you just have to own it my friend you just have to believe it. i hate i hate my friends i'm sorry i should really change oh, that's fine friends. uh to to my viewers and to valu um the question is basically what's the secret to having good hair yeah you'd be surprised that i have a have a good following in tuvalu apparently oh tuvalu how how are they I, are they um are they also sinking like uh kiribash they pretty are they pretty are i'm kind of surprised people from there watch my podcast i i don't know how or why but hi everyone uh hi. if i go you know Where to do my you to go? Oh, tuvalu, you i would love to go to tuvalu you know before it sinks before it sinks actually there's actually an emergent emerging um crisis right now climate refugees Tuvalu is um, definitely it, one of them for sure. Yeah, I remember that um, the Secretary General, just so adorable by the way, he went to Tuvalu, and a lot um people from the Pacific, from small SIDS, small island developing states, nation, no SIDS, no. yeah. Anyway, um, they're actually applying Wait. for refugee status <laughs> in. In countries like New Zealand, Australia. I mean, New Zealand is the dream. Yeah. They're so progressive as fuck. I know. The, 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 their prime minister, she's Lodi. She, she's a woman. So, you know, go girl power, man. I mean, legitimate. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind being a sheep herder in New Zealand. Right? Like, legit. Like, if I can just, like, be a sheep herder, awfully I'm sing to my proud. sheep. Oh, did you know that cows have accents? I don't know why I'm saying that right now. Okay, that's like the most 
random fact I've heard in the longest time. Cows have, cows have accents and best friends. I've learned that okay, from me. Yeah, that's something maybe I could believe easily. But so is that why each language has a different way of pronouncing cow? Um, bash, uh, vaca, baka. Because like in Vietnam, in Vietnam, they pronounce cow as ba. But I mean, I guess I'm not really sure. It's weird. It sounds like ba, which is you know sheep, right? Like Sean yeah. the sheep or something. But yeah, so Aryan Abaya, God, I really hope I'm pronouncing your name 100%. Yes, um, Okay. So in times like this, how important do you think are sustainable development goals of the... Wow, that's a, actually an excellent question. I'm so happy Janelle is here to answer that. <laughs> um, the sustainable development goals, um, it actually... It was modeled after the Millennium Development Goals, it's, uh, which, which wasn't successful. And I don't really think that the SDGs, given, you know, given, what's, given what we're faced, you know, COVID. I mean, COVID has reversed a lot of progress, years of progress. Super. Yeah. Decades, you could even argue. Uh, yeah, decades of progress, and I don't think we'll be able. We are we are far from on, we are far from being on track in meeting the sustainable development goals. But I think, like human rights, like international law, it is very idealistic. It's very naive. Can I just say I really hated that subject. But yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> it's idealistic, but. Would it you want something to aspire to? I mean, wouldn't you want something to work towards instead of, you know, being being happy? I mean, being content, being like um, apathetic with whatever situation you are with, you your your whatever situation you're faced with right now. Uh, I don't really think that you will be able to meet the SDGs by 2030. Sorry, what are SDGs for our viewers who may not know? Oh, um, SDGs are these uh, goals. I think they're 18 or are they 18? 17? 17 SDGs. You're asking uh, me. I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, okay, first is. <laughs> I think you're giving me. No hunger. Uh, zero hunger. Um, so seventeen SDGs. Like there are there are themes for every SDG, and uh, for example, there's one SDG for gender equality. And the difference between the twenty thirty agenda and the Millennium Development Goals is that with the SDG, you can actually measure. Can actually measure your progress you can you can actually you can actually check um how near or far um the, the philippines is i'll give you an answer second to the last well <laughs> that's my guess I, I haven't googled it but that's probably it <laughs> i don't think anyone actually is on track uh to meeting the sustainable development goals but uh, it's 
it's nice to have something to aspire to. I'm not sure how how feasible or how realistic it would it is right now given the circumstances, but it's a good exercise, I suppose. I'm sorry, I'm really I'm really pessimistic about these things because I don't blame you. I don't I know. Mean, for people it's like us who, who study this, it feels like yeah. you're in Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. And it's diffi- it's it's a battle every day, really. To believe in something that I mean, to it's a battle to believe in something that you want to. But is it necessarily necessarily um, giving you reason to believe? There's this great saying, uh same shit, different day. I can't remember where I got that line from, but well, same, uh, different shit, same day. Either way, it means the same thing, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, why don't we go to Jess? Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Sorry, I cannot pronounce your last name, but I see that. Oh, okay. There you go. What are the obligations of the state regarding human rights? I like how you were so nervous about well, this. I don't think it's. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no, uh, I'm actually not nervous about the question. I'm more nervous about the people asking. Because, for example, um, um, Sir Jess, he's actually my mentor, and I, I, everything I do, I, I take it up with him and the fact that he's asked he mentioned his name maybe really really nervous but uh i aspire to be sir just one day anyway what are the obligations of the state regarding human rights well the state has um, a tripartite obligation the state needs to respect promote and fulfill human rights and that um that essentially means that they have to they have positive obligations which is to provide something they need. For example, um, I all, all people have a right to work. So the state has to ensure that the conditions in the country, that the circumstances in, you know, in, in the country are conducive to or conducive for its people to have a job to have a you know to to meet that um human right whereas there's also this um negative obligation um all human people all humans are should be free from torture um the state has this obligation to respect Respect being they shouldn't they shouldn't torture they shouldn't torture I mean they shouldn't torture people protect they they protect people from being tortured for example if I say that I was tortured by a law enforcement agent the state has the obligation to help me hold to help me one hold that person accountable and two hold that i mean ensure that it doesn't happen to me or anyone ever again and take measures that 
take measures that um, doesn't you know doesn't lead to situations like that, and fulfill. Well, it's really the whole thing. All right. Well, the next question is coming from, and I love that your friends and your office mates are here because they're asking questions that I actually would ask. So thank you guys for doing my job for me. I feel like I'm more of a moderator. So welcome to Janelle Inahalis' uh, TED Talk. I am Pablo Aguirre, the host. Pasibe, what is your question to Janelle? But anyway, so the next one is from Emeryn. I hope I got yeah. that right. Okay. So what can the UN do with the Russia and Ukraine war, considering Russia is a member? Oh, that's a nice question. All right. Well, is your office here too? Sorry? Is she also yeah, like yes, yes. Yeah. yes, I actually worked with her in the, um, we actually worked together in the martial law victims claims war. Oh. And now I work with her at the Commission on Human Rights. And, um, Considering that Russia is a permanent member of the UN Security Council, okay. For for those who aren't very familiar with the structure of the UN, the Security Council has five permanent members, and those five permanent members: the US, France, UK, China, and Russia have can veto literally any any decision, any resolution that um it wants to doesn't have I was to surprised that russia was a permanent member i was really surprised about that well like uh, i was anyway. <laughs> I'm a member of the eu but the you the um switzerland is not part of the eu no but greece is and that sounds like what <laughs> well, they, didn't, they didn't actually want greece to be part of it no one wanted greece to be part of the yeah, EU. because they would sick the economy <laughs> Because look at what Greece is, right? You you go to their you go to their um their state bank. It's just probably a goat dancing around a bonfire or something. My friends, but just, I, but I love Greece. I mean, the, the culture, oh, yeah. the people—they're great. The the politicians just made a lot of mistakes. What can the UN do? This has, this has happened before, actually. Um, during the Cold War, when it was just like the U.S. would veto what Russia would want, Russia would just veto what the U.S. would want, and it's just a stalemate, really. And I think the U.N. should come up with um, other mechanisms, other, other, um, other, not arenas, but like other venues where the structure is not hinged on powerful countries it's not hinged on <laughs> it's not hinged on um these member states who have dominated have dominated you know history have dominated uh world politics i think it's it's difficult for the UN right now, but it would be more difficult if it were the US who they had to wrangle in. I 
mean, I, I'm not saying that it would be easy for them to wrangle in Russia, but it would be more difficult for them to wrangle, you know, um, Russia and then the U.S. I think right now they could just impose sanctions, which is what they've done. Not necessarily through the UN, through other um, mechanisms. I know that the, like what I said earlier, um, the UK is actually targeting oligarchs because they know that if they go to the UN, they go through the UN, it would just be vetoed. So they are taking, they are being very strategic in how they could pressure Putin into doubling back. So I don't think the UN could necessarily do something, although I could be wrong, but yeah, they could just uh, do the battle, which I think would be more effective in this case, because yeah. it's really vested interest at the end of the day. That's very true. Uh, and the next question, well, Alvin had a comment, but I don't know what this comment is for anymore. It was asked quite, it was commented quite early. Dika sure. I'm not really sure what was that about anymore. Sorry about that, Alduin. Then we have EJ. Hold on. Ave? It's Avalon. Hey. He's a, another batch mate of ours. I'm sorry. It's just. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's Avalon. Okay, okay. Sorry, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm not really friends with a lot of our batch mates on Facebook. So, do the same human rights apply in Japan? Yes, human rights are universal, inherent. He's just I think saying. The that Japan doesn't have is an army. I'm right about that. They don't have a military. Mm, not sure, actually. I'm not very familiar with Japan. Maybe our friend the... Jay, who's a Japanese citizen, could. Uh, he's actually a Japanese citizen, did you know? Sorry, who? Avalon. He's actually Japanese. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But yeah. They don't have a military yeah. because of World War II. I didn't II. know that. Yeah. Ah, I taught you something today. At least. Yeah, thank you. Finally, after your cows <laughs> having accents. Um, <laughs> That's what you uh, took away from the day. You know, I'm gonna really be bothered tonight. Like, so that does that mean like Cebuano cows have a Cebuano accent? Does that mean that? I'm not sure if it's like a regional thing. Like, I think it's more of like. And national, like um, Swiss cows would sound different from. No, so if it's a national thing, then what accent does Filipino cows have? <laughs> I will not answer. That. Damn, that's really something I'm gonna think about tonight. Okay, so <laughs> I think they're just playing with each other. So Alden said, "My friend wants to be a Japanese citizen, but he only stayed for five days." So he's talking about EJ. <laughs> Then EJ says, how do you enforce human rights in countries different from yours? Japan, for example. Okay, that's a fair question. You can't enforce human rights. Human rights are, you can't, human rights are um, commitments. For example, the Philippines, we are party to the Convention Against Torture. So whatever the Convention on Torture, against Torture, Convention on Torture. Convention okay, against Torture. Wait, what? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> At first I was like, yeah, then, wait, what? We're for torture? <laughs> a convention against and torture. A convention for that? And, and it has oh, all for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just kidding. It's okay. Uh, we're, it's we're okay. Both, um, drinking right now, so that's fine. 
um, what do you call this? Um, it basically, if you if you are a uh, state party, if you accede, if you if you ratify an international human rights treaty, you're basically binding yourself to these obligations. And um, when you make that commitment, you are expected to you're expected to honor those obligations. So I'm not I'm not a ma I'm not like an expert in Japanese uh, <laughs> um, human rights. Yeah. But uh, whatever I know that in Japan they are they are not a state party to the second optional protocol on the international convention on civil and political rights, which is essentially about the death penalty. So we can I if the if Japan says that okay, I am not signing that optional protocol, I'm not signing that treaty, no one can really tell them to abolish death penalty. So you can't really enforce it. It's more of a voluntary voluntary commitment that states really make which is an it's just uh the, you know the weakness of human rights it's difficult to enforce it's difficult to hold people accountable which i think is why people don't really see the value in human rights yeah so yeah, that, that's really good. So next comment is from Vecca Cruz. So cursing as a human right. Uh, when you ask if you could curse in the episode, then are you okay? <laughs> yeah, it's just my okay. <laughs> All right. Then uh, Marie Squared says uh, it's a right of expression about cursing. Then Emerin wants to know what your shampoo is. Oh, God. Uh, to be fair, I mean, on the camera, your hair looks very silky smooth. So oh, actually, sure. I learned that if I don't use conditioner, <laughs> my hair well, looks better. In my life, so, but yet my hair is not as silky smooth as yours. Then Marie Squared, I think this is a comment for me. So Marie Squared says, when you say my name like it's a math thing, it's kind of cute, okay? Oh my gosh, no. I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, no, I mean her name's Marie Marie. It's, I, actually, Marie Squared is longer if you think of Marie Squared. Actually, yeah, she's she's really, like, she's one of my closest friends. I've known her because uh, she was actually also Chair Chico's um, secretary, so that's how I know her. Mm. All right. And Nicole Tejano says, Cream Silk is shaking. Nicole is oh, not. Is she, from, is she from high school? No. No, no, she's not. But um, she's a child. She's my childhood best friend, and she's oh, that's cool. she's a cream silk endorser or whatever. Oh, that I didn't know. Okay. She's not an influencer. She's an influencer as in the virus. She's annoying. <laughs> Hi, Nicole. <laughs> hey, I mean that's how you know you you guys are good friends. So the next thing I wanted to ask you was, um, I want to talk about Cambodia for a bit or Kampuchea, right? Uh, because in my case, why I got so interested in politics is about the killing fields, about what happened there. First question is, have you been to Kampuchea? Yes. Um, to oh, no, to Kampuchea, I haven't, actually. 
Oh. I've been to Cambodia. Oh, it's sorry, just... Cambodia is actually Cambodia. Oh, no, oh, sorry, sorry. I thought like the actual killing fields. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, I no, I haven't. I haven't. I just went to Angkor Wat. To, you know, As a feeling, you know, you're, you're doing a party. You wanted to have oh, photos of temples. Yeah, I just wanted to. And be like, me. guys, I'm looking for myself. Uh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How fun know. is Pub Street, by the way? What? Sorry? Yeah, How I know. I miss traveling. I haven't really traveled. I miss either. I miss traveling too. I miss Kampuchi a lot, like crazy. I love that country. But um, if it's okay if you would um indulge me. So, you know, ever since I was young, right, I, I got mm-hmm. very emotionally invested in what happened, you know, under Pol Pot. So, you know, quick history lesson to our viewers who may not know. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the late 70s until around the 80s. Uh, there's a revolution in Kampuchea wherein uh, the American forces moved out and a rebel government happened called the Khmer Rouge, led by a man named Paul Pot. That wasn't his real name, by the way. He got it from a French term. I just can't remember what French term that was. And what happened was Cambodia is like a country of three to four million people. And because of his killing fields where he wanted it to become an agrarian state where everyone is a farmer, there is no private business, there's no private land, everyone just farms and stuff. He killed one, a quarter of the population. So that's like what? two A million people, a million and a half people, give or take, right? And, you know, when that happened and when I read that history, when I watched the documentaries, the film, etc., I said to myself that when I'm older, I would want to visit that country and I would want to visit the killing fields, right? And I was very lucky that I was able to go to two sites. So the first site is the schools where they would do it, you know, the the torturing and all of that stuff. And the second site was where they killed people where it was actually a farm for like rice and stuff. And that's where they actually killed the people, right? And that's the only time in my life I remember that when I went there, the first stop was the school. And I felt so heavy, you know, looking at the history, reading about it, and the overall feel. And to the point that, you know, some of the bloodstains on the tiles, they couldn't remove it from how much they were. And when I saw it, it was no longer red. It was like black or something for how many decades that it was there. But I remember when I got to the actual killing fields, that was the only time in my life where I legitimately just wanted to fall on my knees and cry. Because can you imagine you know, going to a place with like 2,000 skulls, give or take? And when you see that amount, that's the amount of... Like those, those were people, right? Those were women, children, husbands, fathers, etc. And the loss of that much life. And the reason why I'm mentioning this to you, Janelle, is the next thing I want to talk about is what's happening here. Now, we're not exactly the killing fields, right? We're not a quarter of Filipinos are getting killed by this supposed um, war on drugs. But there is a number of people who are getting killed. And 
it's it's a very controversial topic because um numbers that release says is just 10 20 30,000 people but others say it's way more than that so i want to ask you and i hope you can answer this question but what is the actual number um no one actually knows that that's no, how uh, that's how because the thing is they keep changing the, the policy the, i mean the pnp like policies um they keep changing it to i mean they are very reactive to how the war on drugs is being uh, they are they are just being reactive really to how the public is reacting to um to how the public is you know um the public's attitude towards the war on drugs because for example before they have they would they would um, flout these terms such as legitimate killings deaths under investigation and they they would make it very technical um in such a way that it's even them even they are very confused because would you because sorry did um, you say that a term is legitimate killing was that yes. a term yes they actually use what that the hell is an illegitimate killing then the legitimate a legitimate police operation sorry legitimate police operations killed during a legitimate police operations that's how they would dif that's how they would differentiate uh, a police operation from a vigilante killing and they refused to and they wouldn't necessarily investigate a vigilante killings so it's really difficult to ascertain um exact numbers which i think is you really can't do anything if you can't you really can't change something if you can't measure it right i mean that's how the sdg was formulated they wanted to change something so they started measuring how to work toward that if we cannot ascertain the exact number or even just like you know um just a fairly accurate number so to speak like for example a range how will we effectively and transparently investigate those killings how will we hold people accountable and recently the doj and recently the doj actually um released that um they are investigating 52 killings um out of like um 300 to to uh they call this to convince the i'm just speaking for myself okay yeah of course this is I mean, my opinion because i mean this is how i viewed it i'm not really speaking yeah. for anyone other than myself i mean the name of the episode is janelle right not yeah not where <laughs> you're just from, here. you never yeah. know anyway <laughs> um i think that um these investigations are not 
are not as genuine as they should be, but um, they are just doing this as a way to convince the International Criminal Court to defer. I mean, to, you know, basically put on hold the investigation, the ICC investigation into the Philippines. Because if and when um, the Philippines is able to convince the ICC that um, no, you cannot actually, you cannot actually come in, you cannot actually intervene in our internal affairs. Because the only way, the only reason why you can intervene is if and when we cannot investigate, we cannot, um, we, are, we are unwilling to look into, uh, we are unwilling to prosecute perpetrators. I think they are doing this to do the bare minimum, if it's even the bare minimum. It's not really a genuine, I mean, there are there are a lot of um, ways that they could you know make it better but until they, until they they make it more inclusive make it more transparent and not just investigate the cases that they choose to because they, they they're actually the ones who choose which cases to investigate no one really could choose other than them I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a genuine investigation at all. So I don't know where I was going with this. I forgot. I got carried away. <laughs> so I'm gonna play um, devil's advocate, and I hope you don't uh, think that whatever I'm going to ask or say is what I believe. Uh-huh. So yeah, fair warning uh, to everyone. So the first question, I guess, is how do you convince people who simply say that? I'm not a drug user. I mean, drug, all drug users should be killed because uh-huh. they don't contribute to society. They're just on the on the street, sitting down, inhaling drugs. They're not contributing. Why should I care about their lives? Um, okay. First of all, how how would I convince you? Yeah. <laughs> one is sorry were you to talk with what i said no 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 it's um okay, okay. <laughs> my, my 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 like um anyway uh how would i convince you it's just that right now the chosen enemy is a drug user during covid it was the pasaway it was the like you know it was the people who didn't wear masks and stuff. Yeah. People who didn't wear a mask, people who didn't follow curfew. You don't really have it. I mean, for example, um, back in back in um, Germany, you were if you were a Jew, you really couldn't do anything. If you are a black, you know, I mean, if you were black in South Africa back then, you had less rights than the white people. It's just that you, it's a matter of being targeted. And you never know when you could be targeted. Like for example, right now, 
um in the 90 uh, when when we uh, overthrew the Marcos dictatorship 86. human rights uh, yeah yeah 1986 human rights were all the rage liberals were all the rage who would have thought that you know by 20 2022 no one would want to run as liberals because if you were a liberal you you are tainted it's it's that kind of thinking that once you are tainted once you are identified as the other once you are branded as this person who deserves less who um you know uh who, who is the threat to a threat to other people it's an outsider really for example if you're a refugee in Switzerland, in Germany. I mean, you never know when you could be in that situation. So for example, um, should the circumstances be different? What if you would be in such a, in a situation wherein, you know, you just had to turn to drugs? It's not. It, it's a medical issue. It's not. It's not a. It's, it's a medical issue. It's a economic and social issue. It's not actually a choice. I mean, on from the outset, it looks like a choice, but there are a lot of factors that goes into play when you make when you become you know, when you turn to such to such um, you know uh, vice. Yeah. It's just that you never really know when you're going to be targeted. And do you really, <laughs> for example, I mean, I, I don't understand the whole, just because it doesn't happen to me, just because I'm not affected, I shouldn't care. For example, uh, people are saying that martial law, I mean, I wasn't affected during martial law. People would say that, right? Of course. You but, weren't born. How do you know it was bad? <laughs> really? Yeah. Anyway, uh, for example, um, my 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 relatives in Davao because I'm actually from Davao. They were here during the I did not know. Yeah, you they were here by the way. Sorry. You live such an interesting life, by by the way. It just looks like that, but it's really not. No, like I, I, I think that your life could maybe be like a like a like a a novella or something. No, no, you just really not. Well, anyway, let me just finish and then we'll. we'll okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like they were here during Ondoy. But would they, how ridiculous would it be for them to say, to tell me that Ondoy didn't happen, that my friend, my, my friend's house, you know, it wasn't submerged in water? Like, just because. You know what I'm saying? Just because it what you weren't there doesn't mean that it's not a fact of life. It's not it's not an it's not an experience that people had to go through. It's it's it, I think that's how that's how I choose to look at it. It's I mean some people are just really lucky, privileged, I suppose. And I forgot what I was where I was going with this again. Clearly, what? 
it's just really i really don't understand the whole just because it doesn't happen to you doesn't necessarily mean that it didn't happen to me just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean it didn't happen to me just because your experiences are different doesn't shouldn't invalidate shouldn't negate what i believe in what I, what happened to me what i experienced and human rights is a lot like that as long as you know i'm not trampling on your on who you are as a person on okay never mind i'm just digressing a bit it'll be okay so it's kind of like the question the the philosophical question does a tree make sound if it falls in the forest and no one's there to witness yes, it right but okay i'm gonna play devil's advocate again and i hope you will be patient with it Go so on. your examples were refugees um people of color and jews so mm-hmm. you know no one i mean a jewish person didn't choose to be jewish right they're usually yeah. born there uh, a person of color doesn't choose to be a person of color they're born into it and refugees choose to be refugees just because they're being hurt mm-hmm. they're being um you know like that right but the mm-hmm. argument could be yeah but drug users choose to be drug users life is hard you just have to be mentally tough that co- that kind of statement comes from a position of privilege I, I think that's one of the biggest lessons i've had to um i've had i, I learned over the years B- because um it's not it's not when i was in, when i was doing my masters i was dumbfounded that people because that was that was a time that Duterte was elected into office and the whole thing and it was and um it was the time when i couldn't understand why people um why people think that just because you've done you, you know you've done something out of what society deems acceptable makes you less of a person I think that's how I've always looked at it. People make mistakes. I mean, it's easy for you to say that. It's easy for a lot of people to say, really, that choosing drugs is a choice. I mean, if you're, if you, if your parents are well off, if you just party during the weekends, and you're offered, you know, drugs in a in a bar in BGC. Then yes, that is a choice. Uh, name drop, sure. No, I'm not name drop. I don't do that. No, I mean but, name dropping like where to party and get drugs. Oh, yes. Sorry, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> anyway, but Guys, if, for example. Drugs, you can definitely get them in like Bataan or something. No, just kidding. Okay, yeah, go ahead, Jen. <laughs> You're giving Bataan a room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most random place, right? Or Abra. Oh, well. That's a very random place. North. <laughs> just kidding. It's just a joke. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, 
But if you're a bus driver having to work having to work back to back shifts. I mean I'm not, it's not it's not it doesn't justify taking drugs. But if you were providing for your family, if you had no choice but to work those back to back jobs and coffees and I mean I mean not coffee, but that, that it trivializes the, the situation. Sometimes you're not really in a position to to make that you're not really in a position to judge how not necessarily judge but not really in a position to make that um make that uh they call this um not judgment make that call that okay you're doing this out of choice you're not doing this person is not doing this out of choice it's a result of a multitude of like um factors it's not as easy as okay i want to do drugs i'm gonna do drugs i think uh it's more difficult for people who are uh at the or disadvantaged marginalized and people who are not as lucky as other people I think, um for example it's Sometimes I before I would used to say that I don't understand why people couldn't understand human rights. You know, was very high. I was very I was that kind of person. Like you're but like it, how stupid can you be? Yeah, like I was very how condescending. You, like how bobo are you? Like yeah, like, very. I mean, I wouldn't say it out loud. You're thinking it like that, and I said, Yeah, it. it's I would just I would just be so dumbfounded that you would it would be it's difficult for like someone to, yeah. yes, yeah. but uh, it took me, you know, it took me a long not a long time, but like it took me a while to realize that sometimes people are just not equipped the way is oh god oh god oh god that sounds so <laughs> that sounds so no actually that's, i think that's okay i don't think you're oh wait why don't you finish your statement sorry I, I, I um, your statement actually i think it's difficult it was difficult for me to understand their situation because in their situation they don't really have time to um analyze think, the, uh, yeah, to analyze the whole uh human rights and democracy um you know bullshit not that it's bullshit but you know what i'm saying because they have to get through the next day i don't care if you know you're if i don't care if you're playing um, i mean i don't care if you pay me now i just need to get paid i just i don't care if even if i if even if I vote for you, as long as you pay me, I, I cannot, I do not have the energy, I do not have the luxury, really, of thinking about where I would be, how I would feel, you know, what would happen to me two years from now, six years from now. I just need to get through this day 
I don't it's it was difficult for me to understand and I'm really grateful to have met a lot of to have met people who took the time to make me realize that and I think it's important that you it's important for you know um not for people like for people who are luckier than others to take time to understand that that it's it's not that they're stupid oh god oh my god that's also bad no i i I kind of get what you're trying to say it's just that you know when you i mean there's just some people right we're in no there are a lot of people who weren't born into privilege yes right i mean like us for example i mean especially you you got to go to school in geneva right i mean you got to experience a lot of things that other people um may not experience in life and it's not your fault you know you were lucky i mean not lucky but you worked for it you know you you got the opportunity your parents worked for it and they gave you the opportunity right and you took it you did well you graduated and all of that and you got masters and you're wearing a bridgeton top and all of that but um That's only the second time I mentioned it this whole episode. But yeah, I mean, it is true that people at times can't understand how could you vote for this kind of person? This person yeah. is running for senator and yet all he did was dance in his commercial. Right? But then my, my, my favorite example is there's a show called The Good Place. I'm not sure if you heard of it. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I love that show. <laughs> Sorry. Veronica Mars? Yes, exactly. Um, Veronica Mars is there. And now I can't remember the actress's name. So thank you to my my third bottle. So shoot, what was her name? But anyway, now that's going to bother me too. Anyway, there's a scene in The Good Place wherein there's a judge who decides whether or not... um, Because the whole premise of The Good Place is you need to earn a certain amount of points to get to heaven. If you don't, you go to hell, period. Um, and you know, throughout the four seasons, they discovered that the amount of points you need to get is a crazy amount. Like the last person to go to heaven was like from 400 years ago, like that far. And they spoke to the judge who was the one about the rules, about the rules, about the points and all these things. And, oh, I'm so sorry to your friend who was watching it. Um, yeah, but anyway, (laughs) uh, my point, they tell, they told the judge, you know what? How about you go to Earth and you decide where it goes? So they send her to Earth. They're like, how many years do you think it'll take her? They're like, oh, 10, 20, 50 years. Three seconds later, she comes back and says, that's the most stressful thing I've ever experienced in my life because life isn't just black and white. There's legitimate suffering. There are people out there who don't have the luxury to even have net, right? They can use Facebook because, you know, um, certain companies offer free Facebook without using your load or credit, right? Uh, so is it awful that we have these thoughts? Like, how could we vote for them? Yeah, I mean, it's a bad thought. But if you get to understand why and you get or understand where they are, that's where you redeem yourself. It's not a bad thought initially. It's only bad if you continue to have the same thought. If you become, you know, once you learn about it, right? If you're ignorant and you never learn, then okay, 
but you know if you are taught it if you experience it if you get to talk to people about it, and you choose to believe that still then that's your fault see so your, your statement true. wasn't bad at all thank you so much for making me feel better yeah so and like anyway, go on. <laughs> so since i don't want to make her name sound like a math thing eminem says makeup reveal naman jan idol oh god i'm actually just wearing this i'm just wearing um i thought you were gonna be like, oh, really like woke up. It's more like oh yeah i actually just woke up uh n- nothing maybe powder or something actually i have no idea what what makeup women uses i mean my girlfriend's a makeup artist but i don't understand oh, she is? i have no idea the stuff that she has there like she, she has like a pencil then i thought yes. it was a pencil but apparently it's... it's not a pencil yeah it's okay imagine like a normal dude being like that that's a pencil then she's like no it's not i use it for like my my eyebrows and shit. oh like, yeah that's what i use then I'm like, but you have eyebrows. Why do you need a pencil? <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> really take time to learn to understand um, your girlfriend's passions. I, I try. I try. We did a makeup challenge before. Shut up. Uh, I, I did makeup on her. I'm a huge fan of um, Pablo Picasso and abstractism. <laughs> I so when, so I was trying to go for a painting and yet she ended up looking like a clown because I made one eye like silver like the the, the eyelid yeah the eyelid I made it into green I mean, then I think I contoured her ears by accident I'm not really sure um but yeah it was really awful uh but anyway going back okay so uh let's see so Charlotte in the Hallis Nagales is watching. That's all she said. Don't worry. There's nothing else to that. Thank then, you. I think that's Yeah, people from Iloilo watching. Good job. I actually want to go to Iloilo. I have a friend who lives there. He owns like a burger shop. So oh. yeah. So Aryan Abaya. I have to say, this is like the coolest like name. You know, your nickname could be like AA. You know? Like what's his nickname? I'm so curious. Is it AA? Aryan. Damn it. No. Actually, um, uh, people would people thought that he was like um, Pak- I, I think people thought that he was like a Pakistani or something. Because apparently, Aryan is some Aryan race. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, but like very. It's really cool. A A like double A, you know yeah, that that anyway. So, um, his question is. With effects of climate change threatening our very existence, do you think our existing human rights policies are equipped with the right tools to combat it? Jesus Christ, Ariane, did you like do research, write down the questions you wanted to ask? He's, uh, it's because he's, um, he's an environmental engineer, so that's why he's asking me that. Jesus Christ, wow, what, what a job, okay. Yeah. Um, like my, top cool. of my brain cells die just hearing that. Okay. Like, Jesus, uh, I'm environmental engineer. Shit, man. Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. He, uh, it is not. We actually, I, we don't have any. Remember the Paris Agreement, where yeah. con- where we all agreed, or basically the whole Except world. For Trump. Well, 
the Paris Accords. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, we have done nothing on that. There is a climate change um, commission. Yes, but in terms of um, concrete human rights policies, other than um, there is this uh, there is this court ruling. Um, what you call this? Forgot the name, but it basically says that. Uh, intergenerational. Oh, my brain's not working. I'm so sorry. But anyway, I'm just gonna tell you about the climate change inquiry. No worries at all. I mean, even if I mean your brain's not working yet, you're still the smartest person in the room, right? So it's really not. You're too nice. Uh, what do you call this? Um, the Commission on Human Rights held a climate change inquiry because uh, a group of um people, individuals, um, civil society organizations came to the commission and said that these certain companies, uh, these carbon majors like Exxon, um, Exxon Mobil, yeah, BP. Yeah. Not, not, I don't know if it's Exxon Mobil, but I think it's more of a gas. So BP, British Petroleum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they are saying that they should be um, they should be held accountable for the climate change uh, the climate change impact in our country, and it's difficult to it's difficult to prove. I mean, it's not difficult to prove because it was proven. It's just there are no sufficient um, laws. There's not the legal framework is not. Oh yeah, Apostle versus Pactorat. Thank you, Sir Jess. Intergenerational responsibility. He taught me that. Apostle versus Pactorat. He's saying that. Oh, it's actually this case that parents filed on behalf of their children saying that you have to do this this and this because if you don't do these measures our kids who we are fighting on behalf of will suffer and it's actually a landmark case so you guys can look into Rosa versus Pactoran. uh it's a very well-known case even even my my supervisors at the un are very we were very impressed with this um, case. So if you're into climate change and sustainable development, sustainability, this is the case for you. And this oh, is where- because I think climate change is like completely false and all. Are you serious? No, I'm not. <laughs> 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 I wanted to see how long it would take for you to. <laughs> Did you believe me though, even just a little bit? No, 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 no. Because, um, Damn. yeah. Because there was. Never mind. No, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, inter yeah, intergenerational responsibility. If you're. You guys should look into that. I'm not the best person to explain it because I might, you know, I might botch it. 
It's a I have the prestigious Weber University. No, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's really long, which is it's not something that I would want to dab. I don't want to dabble in something that I'm not confident in because I might. Anyway, enough with the climate change, Ariane. <laughs> All right. So, actually, the only case I think a lot of people are very interested in nowadays is the state versus Anna Delvey. I think that's something that a lot of people are interested in now. It, it's, you... it's finished, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah. yes, I'm so glad you got it because I did that to like 10 people. Then they're like, right. Uh, I am the the girl with the German Russian accent. And I'm like, yes, guys, that, that was a joke. Uh, but anyway, so we have some comments here. So from Patricia Ramores, this is a name of yours I haven't heard in a long time. Hi, Jam, so pretty. Uh, hi, she's a she's a childhood friend. Hey, I mean, I, I remember you as that, but I'm not sure if you still wanted to be called that. So that's why I call you Janelle. Then um, I call you Agus, dude. <laughs> oh, you, Paolo you haven't called yeah, me no, 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 Paolo because we're adults. <laughs> yeah. So um lovely says ang ganda mo bebe, uh, matalina na maganda pa. Oh god. Thank you Ate. Hindi talaga totoo 'yan. I Okay, we have this group. Ever okay. I should actually that. Okay. So you have this group then um we say that we're saying that um even though even though you know we're not as smart as a lot of people no never mind it, it sounded no, better no, no, no. my two no, 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 no. are being left hung out like they're, they're like bitten man like they're like yo paulo what does that mean we don't uh, hello, Okay, I'm just going to explain to you Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. Okay. The very famous Hello Kitty club in the comment section, all right? Oh, good. Hello Kitty is basically, you're pretty, but if you look it's, if you look into the pretty girl's head, it's just fucking cotton. That's what the Hello Kitty is. You're pretty, but you're stupid. That's what being a Hello Kitty is. Totally I doesn't. so many questions. Wait. Asked. I, okay. But now I guess I'm um, privileged. So Eminem says yes, and Eminem says, "Could you please say the Hello Kitty motto, please?" Oh, that is from Eminem. So she's our president. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> oh no! I think she answered it for you. So she said, "Serbishong walang utak pero may puso." So in English, that is. Service without, oh shit! How do you even translate that? Um, like, shoot, and I'm like, wait, how do you even translate this? Um, so mindless service, but you have a heart. Is that right? I, I mean, not. You can say it better. I feel, but I, my brain, it's just not working. Wait, okay. Um, then Eminem says, I'm not the president, I'm the vice. Okay, wait. First off, why the hate 
with Hello Kitty? Like, what? what it's, your... it's, not, it's not hate. It's just like it's just an inside joke that I don't that I felt and I fall for it every single time. Okay, maybe we can talk about it offline since it's an internal yeah. joke. Okay. So, wow, I'm so professional. Internal joke, by the way. <laughs> um, wow, I really miss wearing suits to work. Okay, so Aldwin Talents, it says, asking for Anna, san mo daw gusto mag-dinner bukas? Oh you guys should go to Swagat, though. Um, I think that would be cool. Oh, no, I remember. I remember Swagat is owned by uh, our batchmate. Yeah, Ash, who's my best friend, actually, yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember you guys were best friends. So when I saw Swag, I was like, oh, wait, he, they're still best friends. It's really, really nice. Actually, you know what? I'm the, the, My closest friends right now are people I didn't, people I really talked to in high school, which is wild, right? Like? Like balance and... Actually, I don't really. I never. Actually, I was surprised that you guys were pretty close. Yeah, no, because we were in Switzerland together. He also studied in oh, Switzerland. Oh, cool. All right, but for Anna, um, were you guys ever close since high school? No, no, no. We were actually, we actually just became close in Switzerland. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like um, it's like the rich kids of Switzerland or something. Oh God, no. I actually have classmates who appeared in like a, in a documentary, Rich Kids of Instagram. I was like, oh my God, this guy is so big. I used to sit beside oh this guy. God. You're like, oh my God, why am I not here? Oh God, no. Oh, no, 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 no. That's where so, I... Anna said she didn't know I existed. It's okay, Anna. I remember. I remember you from high school. I, I, I think. I hope that's a. I hope that's a <laughs> consolation prize. Uh, maybe it's not, but yeah. I mean, I do remember you, and Aldoin and stuff. I like how you're more stressed about Anna and Aldoin. Because they've been, they've been, they've been threatening me. Threatening what exactly? Oh, we'll make a scene. We'll make a scene in the comment section. <laughs> and they are so. They're not really. Trust, trust me. I think they're they're um. <laughs> <That is awesome. laughs> well, Anna, you're welcome. But Alden said Janelle was a mean girl in high school. I, was not I completely agree. Like, you know, Janelle was one of those girls, like, you know, I'm so pretty and smart. Oh, my like, God. That is so true. You're so fat and weird. I never said that. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you please tell them? I was never mean. No, no, no. Honestly, you were 6E, right? No, I was... You were. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you were. Yeah, you were a new student back then, right? Yeah, I was a new student. See, I told you I knew you from grade school, not high school. Yeah, I mean, was I was I mean to you? I was very, very nice. No, you're actually really I, nice. You're you're really actually when you're young, you're quite um friendly, and you're pretty cool. I was just really weird. Yeah, I was really weird. Like Jesus oh, Christ, no. like going back no. to it. Oh, I was yeah. super weird, but. Actually, think about it, I'm really weird until now, but it's it's okay. Aren't I think all? no, but then like your your weird was like charming weird. 
my weird oh, was just like, very nice of you to say but my weird back then was like yeah this guy is so pretentious weird oh no and, you're weird it's like it's like um it's uphill mine is just no but you weren't really weird though i was well, really weird now. well that's what happens to you when you work for a capitalist society my friend so cheers to my cheap gin and your fancy ass white wine is that a chardonnay by any chance no no it's a moscato white moscato oh from which country or from which region yeah that region i actually worked for a wine company back in the day oh really italy yep. torino mm. i hope you ref that for two hours before you opened it ah I a woman of culture uh, no 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 talents uh alvin taught me he is the man he's a man of culture well alvin of culture and janelle of culture so cheers to that <laughs> Oh, this is so embarrassing. Wait, you knew. Wait, you know this song? Okay, I'm sorry for our viewers who wanted like another, you know, a, a whole discussion about human rights. But I didn't know Janelle No Stupid Love by Sabakuta. I fucking <laughs> love that song. I fucking love that song. Like to my to my That's two viewers. To my to my to my two viewers, this song. Is considered as one of the greatest rap songs in Philippine history. You know, when he said, nah, <laughs> should I do it? <laughs> Girl, need Join. bye bye. Don't tell a lie. Lagging <laughs> akong for all the goods I've done. Walang recognition. Man, that's it. Attention, attention. Right, exactly. That fucking hit. So and Alvin has a video of you. Yes, Alvin, if it's on YouTube, please share it. I will put a 15,000 peso budget to boost that post. Like, I am totally willing to spend for that. Uh, then M squared or Eminem or MM. Wow, I'm giving you so many names, I don't even know you. Um, ask her to sing it. So the comment session exploded. Could you do like one verse? Just one verse. Come on, come on, one verse. Oh, God. Oh, I hate my friend. Any verse in the song. Any verse. I choose. I choose. No, 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 you choose what verse I'm going to sing. Yeah, um... The one where he catches her with another man. There, okay. At sa ibang boy, nakapaglaro ka ng apoy, ako'y nananag ka yung sakailamiyak. Wasak na, wasak ang puso ni Rastibak. Inaamin ko noon na binahal nga kita. Pero ngayon, binabawin. So bad for my dignity. Wow. I never thought that we discussed Ukraine, the killing fields, the war on drugs, and now Salbakuda. Variety, I, mean, I love that song. I really love that song. So, um, <laughs> never gonna recover from this. It's okay. I mean, I don't think I would recover from this too. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine I had an episode of Kaliodi with Walden Bell? Yes, with David Rizalito David last Monday. 
I watched that. He was crying. Here I am. Can I tell you though? I felt so bad when he started to cry because, you know, you know. I mean, real talk. Uh, when I interview, you know, the presidential um, candidates, the VPs, and senatorials, I want to be tough, right? I ask tough questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he spoke about, you know, martial law and atrocities, and he started crying, I felt so bad. I got soft on him because I felt so bad that I made them cry. But you can't blame him because, you know, relating to our topic today. That's his experience, right? Can you imagine he had to stay within campus just so that he won't get arrested? Oh, um, when I worked at the Human Rights Claims Board, I I had, I mean, my job was like to go through like, 75,000 claims. Of, um, yeah, I think that's a number of people who are able to file a claim that they that their but human rights were difficult was, was it to file a claim? Um, I wasn't there actually when the filing happened. I was just there when they when like yeah, when we were processing it. it. Yeah. And I, I really had to the I I had to go to I had to go through like I don't know countless um countless cases which was really grim that I would dream about it. Wow. Yeah, I mean there was this one me allowed to say this. Never mind. I'm not actually allowed to say this. Maybe if you don't mention the person's name, I think it's okay. Well, actually, I, don't, I mean, I don't remember the person's name. But anyway, this person was tortured. This person was from Mindanao. He was just, I don't know, he was just... Some I, dude. He was just um, suspected of being an NPA for whatever reason. He was just walking and military said okay you're an npa come with us and they tortured him by putting a live wire in his frame is that what it's called? yeah that he admitted to killing even jose rizal and there's bonifacio that's that's really how terrible it was and i couldn't until now i still can't forget about it that really you know, that really stuck with me. So, yeah. Wow. That's my first time. <laughs> Fucking crazy. I mean, yeah. Then you have all these people saying it didn't happen, right? That no yeah. violations happened, running for senator and all of that. Um, yeah. Um, so, Anna Cereza says, Yeji ng Naspi. Who is Yeji? Yeji is Yeji is this uh this girl, the leader of this K-pop group called Itzy. Naspi is Pinas. I kind of heard of Itzy. I don't know why. Not shy. Not, not, yeah. No, maybe I'm my girlfriend. My girlfriend's uh close friend is a huge K-pop stan. Yeah. Like he loves twice. Like he super loves twice. I you know I used to not like. Like twice he randomly time. says twice out of nowhere, and I'm like, what what's this? Is this a guy? Guy, yeah, guy. Talents, uh, Ruben. All of my guy friends are basically obsessed with twice. That we, we would just we would just go to my house and we just watch K-pop. I mean, I I love Blackpink. Even if <gasps> I, I only see, know I, I only know two songs. 
Who's your bias in Blackpink? Oh, Lisa. Like, you know, like... Jisoo. I love Lisa. I like, I like money, though. Who's money? Money, Black I mean, her song, yeah, her song. Money. Oh, sorry, the song. I was like, there's a member in Blackpink called Money. I know there's like Rose and, yeah, and stuff. Okay, but no, yeah, I only like Blackpink because of Lisa. Like, Lisa's really pretty. Um, like, you know, when Pepsi released the cans, I was the first person in Shopee to buy all of the cans. Like, I mean, you all the members. Like, I, I have it like somewhere here, the box. I never opened the cans of Pepsi with them. Oh, you want to see my? Never mind. I'm Game. Gonna... Uh, we can do it offline. I have, like... I have a huge BTS problem. Like, can I just tell you, like, how Tito I am? I thought what? that you called the blinks as blinkers, so I told people I was a blinker. <laughs> because blinks didn't make sense to me. Like, blinks is an action. Yeah. But blinker. I mean, we're army, so. No, but army is a person, right? That's why like blinks never made it. Like, like, I think it blinker, because twice. blinks is. I know, twice is like once, right? So it doesn't. I have no idea. But what the fuck? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, they're called once. <laughs> How I know talents. Okay, so talent says galing Switzerland yan when when you did stupid love. Um, Yang Kai. Um, has a legit question. So, are human rights only a problem in non-democratic no. countries? Enlighten me, ma'am. No, it's not the. It, I mean, the U.S. Not, right? What? Sorry. The U.S. Like they have a lot of human rights. Yeah, right? here. I mean, we're allegedly. I mean, uh, allegedly. I'm just kidding. No, no. Sorry, chair. Chair Chito. But yeah, uh, no, it's not just a problem in non-democratic countries. It would actually be surprising if there were human rights in non-democratic countries. Because human rights and democracy go hand in hand. Supposedly. Theoretically. Yes, in theory, yeah. Yeah, so, but no, it is not. It's a problem so, even in the most democratic countries because human rights... It is a very tricky subject, and it's difficult to police. It's difficult to um. It's difficult to if you're the state. It's difficult to satisfy everyone because it's a it's human rights is really a balancing act. Like for example, with the with the vaccination. Um, the the issue with the mandatory vaccination is. Are you pro? Why, I'm pro. I mean, officially, officially, I should say that. Uh, of course, this is always Janelle in the Hallis's opinion, not any organization <laughs> she's connected to. It's her own individual uh, opinion. I think that's yeah. okay. So you can say whatever yeah. you want now. Um, <laughs> mandatory vaccination. I think is crucial but it it can be implemented in a more holistic in a more um it in a more but considered does that, does that violate human rights though because um i think the city of manila had a no vax no right policy 
and people were complaining that yo um i can't get a schedule or yo your your vaccination um area is far from me and i can't afford to go that far so would you consider that to be a human rights violation not necessarily it's not it's not a violation per se it's more of the state should do i mean the lgu should um local government provide, yeah. yeah um you should provide reasonable accommodations like for example i can't get the vaccination because of um lack of slot because um i have a comorbidity that doesn't you know that my doctors wouldn't you know let me get a vaccination it's not as like like most things in life it's not black and white it's really a um what do you call this it's a balancing act like most things and there are a lot of ways to to accommodate uh to realize something i mean to well, what do you call this um there are a lot of ways to accommodate a accommodate the realization of i mean the, the enjoyment of a human right of, for a person the nest that instead of like saying okay you have violated my rights it's not as it's it shouldn't be like that it's not supposed to be punitive especially if you know it's not as harsh it's not torture but if like uh all all, um, all, uh, if all avenues have, have been used, and that's when you go to court, that's when you go to the police, that's when you go to the UN to make a claim that your human rights are violated. But I don't think it should be that, that you know, that con confrontational. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. So we have a few more comments before you know we we end the episode. Oh God. So, so the lady's so nice. They named her twice. Marie said, "Is stupid." I, I love how I gave her so many different nicknames. By the way, the, the you know going. She's single, by the way. Oh shit! Oh, you're not single. Yeah, you're I'm single. not single, but um. You know, I'll definitely take note for that, you know, in the future. I'm so sorry, girlfriend. I'm so sorry. I, I forgot. Um, it's okay. Um, then Astrid Benitez said, you know, emojis. I think this is when you wrapped Emeryn as well. Then Anna says, my girl's so good and proud. Human rights master, the songerist, pa, and modalist, pa, and bridgerist. <laughs> bridgerist fashionist. <laughs> Did you know that Anna is... Necrotist. <laughs> Purplest. Do you see that Anna on TV? Definitely. Right? Amazing. I do not have time for you. I do not... No, no. Anna, Anna. Oh, on, like, Anna. TV Patrol, on Teleradio. Anna, Anna Okay, yeah. sorry. What about Anna C? Sorry, what? She's a reporter. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, you can watch it. Oh, oh. Yes. oh wow, Anna! Congrats. I, I mean, that that's pretty cool. 
I mean, you're doing legitimate work. I'm very proud of her. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm not close with you, but I'm proud of you too. I mean, I'm just getting drunk in my in uh, <laughs> in my room while interviewing people for no reason, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Anna, <laughs> good job. And can I just say, I love how Anna's like in her profile photo. It's like it's her birthday, probably wearing a black dress. Yeah, it was her birthday. Oh, it was her birthday. It probably says Happy Birthday, Anna. You're like 23, 24 years old or something. I, I have no idea, but. What yes. Are you asking now? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, nothing, nothing. I, I'm just saying. I, there, there are no other questions, actually. Um, okay. Then, then uh, yes, M2M says dancers. Yeah, offline. We we won't do it online. I don't want to embarrass Janelle because to be fair, Janelle. <laughs> Even he knows that it's embarrassing. Not because I I I feel that you're a good singer rapper, but maybe dancing wise, you may not be that good. Uh, no, 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 no. Really yeah, yeah. So that, I, it was just an assumption. You could, you could correct me if I'm wrong. You know, if you want to, oh, no. you know, do some Rihanna. I, I mean, who's who's a good dancer right now? I have no idea. Like that's Lisa. How I am. No, Lisa's yeah. a rapper though. No, Lisa's a dancer, but yeah, but she's like a she's the rapper of the group. Yeah, she's like this Thai girl who speaks Thai, English, and Korean. Like Jesus Christ, right? That's really cool. But um, I bet she has abs of steel. By the way. And I have flabs of pillows. You know, you know what I mean? That did not make sense. Cheers to that, though. Here's me enjoying my gin. So we have Alvin Parents. He, he has a legitimate question for you. I hope you're ready because I was like, wow, Alden, this is a fucking good question, man. What is it, Olga? You, you ready? Go on. All right. You dreamt of being a K-pop idol. Why didn't you pursue that dream? You know, at some point, you just have to acknowledge your your limitations in life, like your age. How old are you? You're like what? 27, 26? You're 28. I'm 28 right now. 93. Are you sure? Because you know, you kind of question your own age. I don't. I mean, after like 20, I stopped counting. Oh, okay. Um, I, have, I have another. Age. I'm not. No, I'm 29. Um, I'm 92. Uh, so I'm turning 30. So M2M says, "Haha, putaka." I think because of the <laughs> that she's single. I mean, M2. I mean, M squared. Like, if I was single, like I would be like you know Janelle, like G, you know, let's let's go to like for a walk in the park or something, or have coffee somewhere, um, like a Toby's estate or something, you know, something like that. I'm very Tito that way. Uh, I'm more about let's have maybe lunch or a coffee. Then if things go well, have a dinner, maybe third or fourth date. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, definitely in the future. Are sleeping yeah. on the couch tonight. I'm speaking for your girlfriend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, she's in Houston and she knows I'm just joking. But uh, no, but yeah, I'm just saying... Uh, because you have a really cool name, by the way. Like being, like, can you imagine your name is Janelle Janelle in the house? That's pretty cool. Um, Pow Pow Aguas. I, I sound like a Chinese dessert. Well, right. Pow Pow. No, Pow Pow. Not Pow Pow. Pow Pow. Like, pow, pow. do you want an order of Pow Pow with that? You know what I mean? It's like. Sounds like a dog's name, though. Could, could be a dog's name. True. Thank you for like you know shaming me even further. You know? I'm not shaming you. Dogs are great. 
out maybe because I'm fat but you know and you're thin and shit so okay fine. what is with the self-deprecation <laughs> That, that's my humor. Like that—that's my charm to, to myself. We uh, are an artist. I mean, I love South Park, right? Uh, then um, we have Emrian saying, "Miss Anna, pwede po ba feature ang stupid love ni Miss Jenna?" Guys, Aldwin, Anna, if you have a video of that, send it to me. I will spend fifteen thousand to promote that on Facebook. I like will, I will throw fifteen k. I will have you all killed. Um, <laughs> or something. Uh, then Aryan Abaya is asking, ask her who Mr. Fedrickson is. Why am I getting such questions? <laughs> uh, Mr. Fredrickson is my one true love, it's my cat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so my cat. What? Sorry, your cat's a boy. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, they're both male. Okay. But they're attracted to human males. I mean, my my girlfriend's cat is named Katsu, and when she's in heat, she always goes to me. So I guess it's a cat thing. When she's in heat, I'm not kidding. Like most of the time, she doesn't really go to me that much. But when she's in heat, right? I'm watching Netflix or reading a book. I'm rereading Persepolis. Uh, when I'm reading, she just goes on my lap and starts rubbing her head on my tummy and stuff. Aww. Like, and then I cat too. I'm not a cat. Like, you know, you know. I mean, as much as I would, you know, want to make you battle and all, I can't. You know, I mean, I, I don't want like cat, half cat, half human stuff coming out or a hybrid. And like a hybrid. Right? I don't know. I googled it though, because um, she's the girlfriend of my dog. And I caught them, and I was like, oh, my God, I don't want, like, mutant babies. So I separated them. And thank God I Googled it. They cannot have kids. Like cat dog, like the cartoon. Like cat dog, yeah. They can't have a cat dog. I appreciate you remember cat dog. Oh, my uh, God. Do you remember quad cats? But anyway, um, Yankai has another okay. question. Okay, go on. Okay, I was really amazed and satisfied. One last question, ma'am. How can we ensure dignity for all humans? And I just have to say, I want to end my questioning with that with this question. This is an excellent question. Uh, how can we ensure dignity for all human beings? Dignity is where human rights come from. Human rights are basically um, minimum standards. Really, um, yeah. their standards, their minimum standards of what a person needs, what a person should um, have to live a life with dignity. And living a life with dignity means that you can do what you want. You're not, you're not restricted by people, by circumstance. And if you really think about it, if you, if you're right to education, you're right to, right to life, which is where every, everything flows from. Right to education, right to life, right to work, right to not be tortured. If you look at the UDHR, where are there there are thirty um, articles that you know list all the fundamental human rights that a person should have. If you if you if your 
if you can say, I mean, if you feel that these 30, these 30 um, rights are something that you enjoy, then it means that you are able to do something, that you are able to do whatever you want. You're not, you're not limited by poverty because there's a right to work, there's a right to food, right to, you know, uh, this plethora of rights. And if you're able to live, living a life with dignity is the ability, is the frequent, is the, what do you call it? Is the ability to live a life that you want to have, that you desire, a, a life that you could say that uh, a life that where you where you where you um, maximize your talents, your experiences, and you're not at the mercy of other people. Is basically what living a life with dignity is. Uh, and the Commission of Human Rights, the the fifth commission, uh, their catchphrase is "Dignidad ng lahat." Because if you really think about it, um, the the current situation right now with human rights—I mean, with the war on drugs—you know, what kind of life would it? Be? I mean, imagine finding a family member being tied. I mean, tied up, really dead, and with a with a with a sign saying "drug pusher." Is that really a life with dignity? And what the what the Fifth Commission is saying that is that doesn't really matter what you've done in life. You should you should live a life with dignity because of the simple fact of the simple fact that you are human, and you're and because you're human, you have human rights. And you can and you how can you ensure life for all? How can how can we ensure dignity for all human beings? You personally speak out for other people, I think. It's actually what I've learned working in human rights is that It's, it's difficult to, you can speak out, you can always speak out. But what else, what could you do other than speak out? If when you're faced with someone who's, I don't know, whose child was tortured, whose child was missing, you know, who was it, um, who was raped. It's easy. I mean, if you really think about it, speaking out, speaking out right now is, I mean, it's dangerous, but it's better. It's easier. It's, it's, you would rather be the person to speak out than the person at the mercy of other people. And I think if once we start, when once we, stop speaking out for other people that's when 
you know, that's when everything will go downhill for us. No one can live a life with dignity, even if you're in a position of privilege. Once you, once people stop speaking out against um, atrocities, against wrongdoings, against suffering, against violations, one 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 way or another, you won't have dignity. Also, um, we just have a few more comments to go through, but no more questions. So, Marie Marie says. Okay, noted. I think this is about me saying that, you know, maybe in the future or whatever. So she said, Cheech is proud of you. Oh, then uh, Nicole Tejano, who I forgot to acknowledge, you were, you were with her when you went to Cambodia. She, she said that. Oh, uh, she did? Yeah, she did. I just forgot to acknowledge it. Then Ruben is also watching, but I can't read this comment. It's blank for some reason. I don't know why. And lovely... Konehar says, I'm sure nakasmal at pumapalpak si Cherchito while watching you from heaven. Aww. So, Janelle, um, you know, before we end the episode, uh, you know, we talked about a lot and all these things. So, I guess the last thing I want to ask you, uh, you know, before, you know, we end the episode is, uh, with the times that we're living in right now, right? Um, with fake news, with deniers, apologists, and all these things. What advice could you give people to fight the good fight? With advice? Yeah, advice to for people so they can continue on fighting the good fight. I would, I would tell them what Chair would always tell me. Um, he, uh, wait, let me let me look for the actual quote because I might watch it. Uh, Mr. Gascon always had excellent quotes. Yeah, he was a walking. Um... He was a. Ah, he was a okay. okay, he. This is what he would say. I don't have to, Thank you, Chair, for reminding me. <laughs> we are prophets, but not of our own time. He would tell me that the first time I spoke to him. Because uh, I, I remember at that time, I was so confused why my own family, I mean, but my family is a lot better now. They listen up. My family are, we don't have the same political views. Oof. And I would be, yeah, I mean, we are from the I mean, I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, anyway. Uh, I, and I would, I would rant. I would tell him that I was so frustrated that I couldn't talk to you know my family about. I couldn't get the message across. And that's what he would tell me. He, they, we might not, we might not be able to make them understand now. But one day we will. I mean, one day they will understand, and it will be because you. We have consistently and we have consistently pounded the rock, as Chair would say. That you don't know when when the rock will break. 
was it the first, was it the last rock? I mean, was, was it the last, you know, pound? Was it the last 10? Or, you know, you never know. You just have to keep doing it until it actually does. You don't know when it's going to happen. But you have to believe that even though it doesn't seem likely right now, even though it seems pointless to fight for human rights, even though it seems pointless to vote for a certain candidate because this other candidate is leading in the polls, it, you never know really what could happen. You just have to keep doing it because you believe in it and because you, you know that you have to do it. Because if you don't, who will? Will you really leave it to other people? Will you really leave your um, your life, your destiny to other people? So I would say keep pounding the rock as chair would always sell all of us. And he did, really. He kept pounding the rock until the last until the last time he could. And there were, I mean, Sometimes it would be very difficult to keep pounding the rock. You just have to keep doing it because, uh, let's call this. Um, let's see. Uh, there's this quote that, um, hold on. Um, let me just look for it. I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Anyway, uh, I can't find it right now. Uh, you have to be consistent. It it doesn't have it doesn't have service and dedication does not come in waves. It's a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong decision. But you have to keep doing it, even though it seems pointless. It seems difficult. You just have to believe that one day it might not be there to see it happen. But you have to be there for it to happen. So usually um, before I end the episode, I you know, ask the guests to do some plugins. But I know Janelle is very private as an individual. So I would like to take this time that instead of asking Janelle to do her plugins, I would want to talk a bit about how I know um, Mr. Gascon. So when I took up political science in LaSalle, he was actually my teacher in three subjects. The first subject, I can no longer the name, remember the name of, but I remember him pounding the idea of about King John to me. Uh, then the second subject was my worst subject of all time, which is Seminar or Seminar on International Relations. I hated that subject. And my grades reflected that. I barely passed. And I think the only time I passed is because Sir Gascon is a kind human being. Then I think he started, he started realizing that Seminar wasn't for me because my last class with him was um, politics and film, actually. That was where I did really well. Yeah, yeah, and film, yeah. So we would watch movies, and oh, we would assign. So we were groups. We were assigned to do a report per film, and the film that I was assigned to was the one about 
one of uh, Noy Noy, the one of Coco Martin. Pretend, I mean, he was starring as a news reporter and stuff. And, you know, I don't think Sergas can call me an exceptional student, only in the cinema class. Everything else, I was probably average or below average. But the one thing I always got from him was his passion and his love for the country and, you know, and the nation and for respecting human life and human rights. And when Mr. Gascon passed recently, I thought to myself, who is going to, you know, continue fighting the good fight? That was always his favorite line to us when he was teaching us. Fighting the good fight. Uh, you know, when he would treat us to treats, he would buy us chips, sunflower seeds, and he'd get the spicy ones because he knew I like spicy flavor. And, you know, I was so glad that Janelle um, agreed to this episode because I really wanted to have this episode with Mr. Gascon originally. But, of course, he's busy saving the philippines in that sense he would have um, indulged you <laughs> i tried talking to him but you know he was always busy for some reason and obviously he's a very busy man and we never had that episode sadly uh but you know i had the next best thing with janelle and you know um hearing her answers um seeing how passionate she is i mean from switzerland she flew back to this hellhole to help save it says a lot. And I wondered who would continue fighting the good fight for all of us and seeing how Janelle would react, how her colleagues are here, knowing that they were all inspired and uh, work closely with Mr. Gascon. I know that the future here is very secure and very bright for us. So to our Commission on Human Rights here in the Philippines. You have one of the toughest jobs in the land. Thank you for staying. Thank you for, you know, continuing fighting the good fight. Uh, Janelle, thank you for being here. Um, so, yeah, guys, thank you so much. Um, that was the episode. Iglap will be back next week, Monday. We will have senatorial candidate Elmer Labog here. I hope to grill him very well. I'm just kidding. I, I know he's probably smarter than me, so I shouldn't try to grill him. But yeah, uh, Janelle, before I end the episode, uh, I usually ask for um, you know plugins, but maybe you, you want to give shout outs to people or thank people or whatever. So now's your chance. Uh, thank you to my trollop friends <laughs> for keeping the chat very active. <laughs> I mean, um, even if Anna and Aldwin didn't chat, th this thing freaking exploded in the first five minutes. I was surprised <laughs> AF. <laughs> no, uh, thank you, my friends. Uh, thank you, really, Paolo. I I actually, I just want to say uh, share a story. Uh, because had Cher been alive, uh, his term with the commission would be ending like in May. Yeah. And he was, yeah, he was, he would ask, he asked me actually, what do you think should I do after my, my, my stint here at CHR? And you were actually planning to, um, 
create a podcast for him, which, you know, I really think he would have enjoyed. But um, I guess he's, he really liked talking and he liked people listening and he's very inspirational, which is why I, you know, I left Geneva in the first place. He really is, um, he's like, uh, there's a saying that when a person like that dies, it's as if a library has burned. And that's really how, you know, how I feel now that chair's gone. But that said, he really taught me a lot and he really, you know, he made me want to keep fighting the good fight, as he would say, and keep pounding the rock. And I'm sure he inspired me to do the same. So thank you so much for letting me make my kalat and letting my friends, you know. I mean, if this is fucking kalat, um, I don't know. You're so what, you're what, is, what is a regular episode of a glap that doesn't involve any person running? Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, if this is Kalat, then mine is like Wasakan levels of Kalat. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben, sorry, you, you comment, but I, I can't see your comment for some reason. I don't know if it's like the emoji you're using or what, but yeah, he's from CSA too. Uh, but yeah, cool. CSA represent. Um, but yeah, I, I know the, the future is very secured and bright. And M squared, uh, it's Paolo with an O, not a U, actually. So, oh. you know, if you're to have coffee in the future, uh, yeah, uh, I hope we won't uh, have that kind of problem. But anyway, uh, Janelle, thank you so much. Um, again, Iglap will be back next week, Monday. We'll have Elmer Labo for those who watched. I hope you guys will watch that episode. That will be a very, very, very interesting episode. And uh, yes, Nicole, you spelled my name right. And Nicole, you're cool. Um, let's go pink. Uh, Janelle, thank you again. Everyone, stay safe. Uh, good night. And to Mr. Gascon, I'd like to thank you for, you know, for everything you've done for the country, for us students. I was probably one of your worst students of all time in Semarel. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I really hated that class, but you're a great professor. He said there are no such thing as bad students. Oh, trust me. Um, anyway, so Mr. Gascon, thank you again. I'm glad to have this episode uh, with Janelle. You're a great man, and you'll be sorely missed. To everyone, thank you again. Good night. Stay safe. And bye, everyone. Thank you again, Janelle. Thank you.